I don't even know how I have 40 followers on Twitter, to be honest with you. We're talking sports. I got two. Oh, you have two now. With a couple of guys you've never even heard of. I don't really understand it. It's, It's crazy. It's moving the goalposts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts. I'm your host, Nick Mara, joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. We're also joined by producer extraordinaire with two thumbs up today. Andrew, me and me, and what's up? What's going on? Happy, uh, happy, merry belated Christmas. Happy uh, almost New Year. We're kind of like in that weird, like in that weird in between. Boxing Day was yesterday for for those Brits that celebrate it. I think Kwanzaa started yesterday as well. Kwanzaa might be a multi-day holiday. I'm not 100% sure. Anybody that listens and celebrates Kwanzaa, what a demographic that would be. But why don't you let us know? You can uh, you can catch me on social media on Twitter at NickMara94. Mike is available at Mike underscore Masala. Me and you can get him at me and A underscore 83 gentlemen. Uh, three weeks ago, things were feeling a hell of a lot better in these parts of New England with the Patriots. We're now coming off back-to-back losses since the Pats dropped their, their last game to the Buffalo Bills, 33-21. to 21. And this was another home game. Something that New England has not done well this year is play at home or play well at home. I'm nervous. I'm starting to think that this team might be a little bit in the pretender than the contender category. And I think the number one reason why is because of their defense. Two weeks ago, we had difficulty stopping the run with Jonathan Taylor, who's probably going to be the MVP of the league. This year, you got beat by someone named Isaiah McKenzie and Devin Singletary. Josh Allen obviously had a good game as well, but Mike, as the resident Dolphins fan in the group now, uh, what are your thoughts on the Patriots in the AFC East, their chances of winning the division? Yeah, I think last week I kind of surprised people by saying I didn't think they were going to end up with the division title, and this is exactly how I foresaw it going. It the Bills, I think, are just a more complete team at this point than the Patriots are. Um, you're, you're 100% right with it, with how their defense played yesterday. It, it was horrendous. Like, uh, had me really questioning the Stephon Gilmore trade, had me really questioning the drafting of Jawan Williams, the trading for Sean Wade, all of these moves that they made to address the cornerback position. They signed a safety to play cornerback in Jalen Mills. Like Miles Bryant, he's a practice squad guy. He's been uh, an undrafted rookie. He's it was an undrafted rookie free agent last year. Um, like I, I, I don't expect huge things from him. I did expect him to be better than he was, but I also expect them to make uh, adjustments throughout the game, which they didn't. Um, they were running zone way too frequently, constantly giving up eight or nine yards every time. Uh, and then when they hit, when they went to man, Miles Bryant was getting abused there. So they didn't adjust accordingly. We talked about Matt Judon's efforts uh, last week. He continued to kind of put up another another dud of performance this week. Everything from the defensive side was 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 poor to me. And, and uh, I like I said, I don't think they're winning the division. I now think that they're maybe a one win playoff team and then done. I don't I don't really see them going much further than that. And I do want to get, you know, down the road later on in the episode, I want us, you know, to maybe change our takes on where we think this team should go, what would constitute a successful season, because I I think that has changed for me, and it might have changed for you guys as well. But talking specifically about the defense, really on both sides of the ball, it seemed like New England had difficulty at the line of scrimmage. Mian, did did you notice anything different that the Bills may have been doing, or... Was New England just, did they not show up once again? Uh, I'm sorry, you said the offensive line, right? Both of them. The both line of, them? of scrimmage, I think, on both sides was okay. was kind of dominated by the Bills. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the O-line, and there you could really say that this is about the offense in general, uh, I, I, I think it has to do with how you come out on offense. And I'm starting with McDaniels. We'll obviously get into that later. Um you know, they really got they got inside pressure on Mac a lot yesterday. I mean, they really gave Mac a tough time. And he you know, he did his usual, you know, kind of hanging in there and doing the best that he can. He's not the worst 
under pressure, um, but it definitely affected him. They got inside the leverage and just blitzed, uh, just blitzed the hell out of him all day yesterday. In terms of the defensive line, you know, missing Dietrich Wise yesterday, that was big. You know, he's he's a guy who played a damn good amount of uh, the off- uh, offensive, the defensive snaps. Um, you know, they brought up a practice squad player, not, uh, number 95, I forget what the hell his name is. Um, Chandler Jones. Yeah, yeah, yep, that one. Uh, Judon, long. The, Judon was another no-show, you know, another no-show game like we just said. It's kind of tough to say they only got they got uh, that they only got abused and kind of pushed around on the on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They just got pushed around everywhere, and I think they did a handful of just shooting themselves in the foot yesterday too. Just an overall bad performance. You're back to being a bad football team two times in a row. Yeah, I I thought losing to the Colts was okay. I think you needed that kind of like kick in the ass, that reality check of. Everything was falling into your place, and you know things were working out for you, and you were taking care of business when other teams weren't. But now it's not just going to be handed to you; you still have to earn it. It's a very tight race. There are four teams that are all nine and six right now, you know, and some of those teams, you know, are going to end up, you know, winning the division and everything. But it's still a very tight race, and I think you're better than a lot of these teams that are in the wild card and that are on the bubble. But man, oh man, you know. They lose to Jacksonville next week. That's a nail in the coffin. I still think I predicted this team to go eleven and six at the beginning of the season. I think that's still in play. Um, you know, we'll get into the future the next two weeks later, but it's not looking good right now. I don't think they're dead in the water, but you know, they're not far from it. No, you're right. You're, you're definitely right. And I thought that the loss to Indianapolis, maybe not, maybe not a good loss. I know there are some people that will make the argument that doesn't even exist. Uh, I'm not necessarily one of those people, but I thought it was a wake-up call. I thought that it would have gotten their attention, woke the team up, waking the team up, woken the team up, woken the team up, woken the team up. Yeah, thought it would have woken the team up and gotten them ready for this big divisional game. Going into this weekend, I was we were told this is a hat and t-shirt game, right? Now, come to find out later on, it would have depended on the result of tonight's game between Miami and New Orleans, but Right. New England had an opportunity to really get a stranglehold on the division and get the inside track for a top seed in the conference. Yeah. Whether it was it was, going to be the number one seed, yeah. that was to be determined. But they they were in prime position, even with the loss to Indianapolis. Now that you lost two in a row against conference opponents and a divisional opponent, it does seem like we're looking at another wild card team they're going to be on the road in the first round of the playoffs. And if they can get a win, it's like that's going to be considered a success for the season. Whereas three weeks ago, we're thinking, holy cow, this team's got an outside shot at making it to an AFC championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. They might be hosting the AFC championship game. I'm not quite willing to give up complete hope because I'm looking at the the, the team, but like the team stats, the comparisons and, there's a lot of numbers that are drastically swung in the direction of the bills, total yards, passing yards, rushing yards. Actually, the Patriots ran for more yards than, than Buffalo. Uh, but the number one indicator to me that made a difference in this game and Belichick mentioned it in one of his press conferences. I don't know if it was the new year's resolution press conference specifically, oh, or if man. it was his morning press conference. That was, that was awful. That was awful. Well, shouldn't you but, just know? Shouldn't you just know not to maybe ask that? You would think. But you were third and fourth down efficiency. That's where this game was won and lost. And fourth down, you're actually pretty good. You were five of six. Third down, you were one of ten. That, to me, is the, the biggest difference between New England having success and New England having a lot of trouble is their efficiency on third down because the more they can keep their offense on the field, the better because they're not a quick strike team. They're not going to be able to, to make a, a, a big play and get down, you know, 75 yards in three plays and, you know, a minute and a half. They, they take jabs, they take body shots, and then they try and get you in the red zone, just like they do on defense. Yesterday was a very much a bend, but don't break uh, designed defense, I think, by Belichick. And maybe that wasn't the right way to go because Josh Allen ha- had himself a day. Mike, did you see anything specific from Allen? I've been a critic of his in the past. I think yesterday he might have he might have officially won me over. I think he's 
he qualifies as a franchise quarterback now. It was a, a big time Madden game for him in my mind. Like he was just rolling out to each side and dumping off a pass, letting his guys make plays, um, throwing back into the middle of the field, some ill-advised decisions, but they were always working. I don't know if it was the fact that the Patriots were consistently sending three or four at him or just not containing him, not putting a spy on him and anything they, everything that they were doing uh, was not, was not stopping Josh Allen from, from doing what he wants to do. And if, if you have a guy who is a big bodied quarterback, like in my mind, Cam Newton, size wise and physicality running wise is Josh Allen. Like those are the same, same style of guys. Um, if, if you want him to go out and, and roll, run over guys, he can do that. If you want him to roll out and throw on the run, he can do that. He, he's a, he is a good quarterback. It's just that you, you made him look un, unfallible, like, like one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Listen, listen, and let's he, not give him more credit than we really need to give Josh Allen. Okay. <laughs> That's the, the, the Sean McDermott comment of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just, yeah, he, he went out and he, he did it everything well and he they really did make the patriots look like they were uh three and 13 team three and 12 team at the time like it, it was almost like they beat new england at their own game because they didn't try and take big shots down the field they they worked it you know with some short passes some check downs and when there was an opportunity for Allen to make a play he made a play and that's the difference between your offense and their offense. And that's why your defense has to be more disciplined. Um, me and did you, did you notice it? I forget. Were you a big Josh Allen guy coming into this season? Or did you kind of think like, I thought he's maybe a little on the overrated side. Not that he was overrated. I just thought it was too soon to sign that contract. Um, you know, even though after like, you know, credit where credit's due, they're a good team. And they're, um, you know, we had this team dead in the water two weeks ago. And last year, you know, you make it to an AFC championship. There's just no, there's no stopping Kansas City. Kansas City was the much better team last year. But I just thought it was too premature. I thought it was a little too early. It's like you're expecting they're building, they're trying to build a Super Bowl in Buffalo. And I just thought it was a little too early because I think Josh Allen can still do Josh Allen things. You know, he almost gifted us with a interception yesterday that would have changed the complexion of the game completely. Like that's, you know, if we stick on that for just a second... That's J.C. Jackson's bread and butter. You know, being at the right place at the right time, and he drops it. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know? I know exactly which play you're talking about. Yep. So he can he can give the game away just as easily as, you know, he was taking it from the Patriots. So, it, but it just didn't fall in our way. So I, I wasn't, no, I don't think he's overrated. I just thought for me personally, too soon for that contract. Too soon. Okay. That's fair enough. I mean, I... That is the type of deal that you give to someone who's not just won in the league for an extended period of time. Someone who's won championships in the league for an extended period of like time. Like Mahomes, Mahomes got his got his after he won a Super Bowl. Understandable, right? And now they're up on the come up. They might go to another Super Bowl this year. You know, yeah, it's not, looking like it's going to be in to Kansas to- City. It, it, it does seem as though Kansas City is going to be the team that comes out of the AFC, or if not, we're destined for one of those Kansas City Buffalo AFC Championship games. Uh, I just don't know what to think about the Patriots anymore because to swing the momentum in such a short period of time, it's like this was the, when they were two and four, they, they looked like a two and four team. They were struggling to score on offense. They didn't really have an identity on defense. They were a little bit banged up in, in the running game. Like you had guys that were fumbling the ball and, not make they were just making too many mistakes as, as we've been saying this entire season bad teams find a way to lose good teams find a way to win and they found they were finding ways to lose now you're not even giving yourself an opportunity to find a way to lose you're just not even showing up which is totally uncharacteristic of of any new england team over the last you know 20 years i, I have to wonder what it is that belichick is thinking right now because we're no longer in December. Like that time has passed. We're now playing January football, which is typically time for the postseason. But because we've got an extra game, it's going to change things up. Now you're going to be playing your last game on January 9th. Is he 
looking at this as being like another opportunity where he doesn't want to peak too early? I mean, they were on a seven game winning streak through October and November. You keep winning games. That's that's kind of a really difficult thing to keep that maintained throughout the course of uh, the regular season and a postseason run. So I'm not saying that he's losing games on purpose, but do you think that maybe he is trying to see what else his team maybe can do or he's not revealing something? I don't, I don't know. Can we give Belichick, can we give Belichick, quote unquote, credit for the team not playing as well as they should? I mean, I for me, I think you got to split yesterday's loss like evenly amongst the entire coaching staff defensively you're not making adjustments the play calling for the offense was awful by mcdaniels and he's going to get a real good look at his you know new team that you know this sunday but you know it comes down to belichick too how does he not like take a look at miles bryant like mike touched on it earlier Bryant was getting his lunch handed to him left and freaking right by a fourth string wide receiver. And hey, give credit. I think actually someone said McKenzie's going to be a free agent next year. So I'd look at him, you know, if I were the Patriots. <laughs> He's but, to New England. Hey, you know, if they don't want him, I'll take him. But uh, it's you got to like split things like evenly, like responsibility wise, just because it's like, again, you know, whether it's Steve or, you know, it's it's Gerard Mayo. You know, we're not making adjustments on that. Nobody is freaking seeing this. And Belichick, you're not going over and say, hey, do you think maybe 41 and 19, that's a bit of a matchup or a mismatch? You think we should maybe, you know, I don't know whose idea was it to scratch, uh, to do, a, you know, have a Joe Juwan Williams be a freaking healthy scratch yesterday, but it only could have helped. I mean, it's like you're not making adjustments. And then you go, you know, why doesn't Belichick intervene and go over to McDaniels? Why are we going to Nikhil Harry twice in a row after he drops a clear, easy pass? So you're at the same, you know, you're wondering why these guys aren't making the adjustments they need to make on their side of the ball. And you're wondering why the head guy isn't going, if he is making those, you know, interventions as to, are we doing this? Are we going to change that? That's for me, it's like, Coaching-wise, everywhere, it's just like split responsibility as to why you guys sucked yesterday. Just... Mike, what did, what did you think of McDaniel's day? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he really had that great of a day. Um, I was actually uh, questioning like, what he... The, the game plan that they ran yesterday felt very uh, 2020 Patriots, um, where they didn't get any of the new guys involved. I get Kendrick Bourne was out the whole week of practice, but he's an NFL player who's been in the league for four or five years. Don't you think you can come up with a few concepts to get him uh, on, on the field? It's it's not like he needs to run that same route 27 times in practice that week. Um, you didn't have Nelson Aguilar. You did nothing with the tight ends. John New Smith is a lost cause at this point. You always bringing as a weekly holding penalty. Um, you're, you're getting basically nothing from them. Um, so I think... I think if he's going to get an opportunity this offseason, he hasn't really shown a whole lot. Like earlier in the year, we were saying, oh, Josh McDaniels, look at what he's doing with this group. Look at, like, he's ha he's having a, he's having a, a good season. But he, I, I don't really know what he's doing well in, like, the last four or five weeks when it's becoming the most crucial time for him to, to really show up and show out. It, 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 there's, they're not doing anything well except running the ball and they can't, they can't pass block Trent, Trent Brown his his uh, assertion insertion into the offensive line uh, worked out for a couple weeks and it's kind of back down to where it was. Isaiah Wynn is horrendous. Ted Karras isn't a starting guard. This is like, I, I, I really don't know what to make. Like you, you were saying earlier, I don't know what to make of this offense right now because they haven't done anything well for a sustained period of time other than run the ball. And that's yeah. not going to get you all that far. And running running the ball, I think that you give the majority of the credit to Damian Harris. He had 18 carries yesterday for 103 yards and three touchdowns. Like, he was the guy that was bringing it on every single play. But getting back to McDaniels, can we be serious with how they started this game? I'm just, I'm looking at the play-by-play -play on ESPN's website. First and 10 at New England, 25. 
Michael Wainer reported in as eligible. Damian Harris right tackle to New England 25 for no gain. Did we really have to come out with the jumbo set and try and run the ball down their throats again? I mean, at that point, you really should have spread them out and been like, listen, we're, we're going to let him fly. We're, we're going to open everything up. And then I, they did go into shotgun in the next two plays and got sacked on third down. But I would have just opened everything up, let him go spread. And if you wanted to make a, a check down into a run call, you've got Bolden in the backfield. You can just hand it to him or you can toss it to him, whatever. I just I wouldn't have tried to be so cutesy in the beginning with that first play call and try, ah, we got to establish ourselves and we still dominate. You had to know that Buffalo was going to be gearing up for the run early on in that game. And it's, it's exactly what they did was, uh, you know, started them with negative yardage in, in the first drive yeah. to start out. I mean, I agree with that. Like that first play play calling series was awful, but I mean, you kind of got away from the run a little bit here and there it seems like in the game when it was working well, or you're not having the right guys, you know, you're not having the right personnel when it comes to, uh, here we go. We'll start with this. So it's like third and two, right? We run it with Bolden up the middle. So now it's fourth and one. You're in fourth down territory. You go, and actually, honestly, you know what? Their fourth down efficiency was pretty freaking good yesterday. It seemed like. Yeah, it was I don't five, know this... five to six. They were just terrible yeah. on third down. Right. So, but there's like, you don't even need to be in a fourth and one. So you run it like third and two, you run it to Bolden, he gets one yard, that's about it. And then, you know, the next play, it's a pitch play, you know, option to from Mac to Harris, and he gets like ten yards. Here's an idea. Why don't you call that like a minute ago and you're not even in a fourth and one situation? Like where was like where's that to open everything up? Where's that on like first and ten? Where's you know it's it seems like you're calling the wrong things at the wrong time. Or you're you know, it's too little too late which is how it seemed yesterday. You know, another thing that I noticed this morning, I was on Twitter and Mike Reese sent out a tweet of a video where they're on, I think it's like first and 10 on their own one yard line. And this is just kind of going back to the whole situational awareness and, and whether or not McDaniels is doing more than just calling plays. Does he really have control over the entire offense? Is he letting the guys know to be alert and aware of certain things? Because Reese points out in his tweet that Mike's using or Mike Max using a cadence hard count and he gets, I think it's Ed Oliver to cross over the neutral zone. Yeah. And the guy that's literally lined up right across from him is Shaq Mason, arguably your best offensive lineman. All he has to do is reach his hand out to touch him. And that's a free five yards. And that's just something that they weren't thinking about. So it's why are we using a hard count to try and draw someone offside to get free yardage if we're not going to take advantage of when they actually jump? Because I remember you know, a long time ago watching a, a clip of Belichick saying to someone, if you're ever pinned up against your goal line, always do a hard count because if they get a penalty, it's five yards. If you get a penalty, it's six inches. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, on, your, that's on Shaq. How do you not pick that up? And, you know, he's been a guy who's been around. You know, he's played with Brady. You know, I can't imagine that, it, you know, if that's happened before, Brady's got to, you know, go up to Shaq and say, hey, you got to pick up on that. Absolutely. Veteran, you know, a veteran mistake, if that makes sense, which and, shouldn't and I, happen. I think that's something we've seen a lot of from this team, veteran mistakes. Go back to the Indianapolis game with McCourty and Hightower not being able to plug the gap and, and stop Taylor on that 67 yard run. Can we talk about how they need to go? Especially high tower. I can hit so, harder, than, harder than him nowadays. I, I do. I do want to talk about the linebacking core because as we had mentioned Judon a little bit at the beginning of the episode saying that his impact seems to be depleted. Uh, do you guys think he's injured? I mean, mm. it could be, it just, so after we had talked about him last week, I kind of, spent some of this game like just keying in on like watching him on every play uh and it just looked like, i don't know he just looked like he was going through the motions at some points he was getting stood up by dawson knox one-on-one -on -one. like that's a, that's a tight end he's good at his job dawson knox is a, is a good blocking tight end but if you're a top tier pass rusher you have 12 and a half 13 whatever sacks he has now you should be able to get to get by a tight end pretty easily it just looked like to me 
there were some plays that he wasn't going as hard as uh, as you'd want from a guy. Yeah, I got to agree with that. There were some plays where he just didn't look, you know, kind of a lack of effort. There's still that whole, you know, oh, I don't know, he's getting held on a bunch of plays. But, um, you know, and that could maybe that's affecting him as to, you know, not putting in that much effort. You know, it's it seems like there are times where we've got to put the front seven on his back uh, and just other players aren't stepping up. Like you've seen some things from uh, Godshaw here and there, Barmore. Barmore had a couple of rookie mistakes yesterday, and it's unfortunate because he's having a pretty damn good rookie year. You know, he was a hell of, he's a hell of a draft pick, and I think he's going to continue to trend up. But, you know, sometimes I feel like the front seven kind of relies on him a little, on Judon a little too much, or we all do. I don't know. But it's, yeah, there were points where the effort was, and even just stupid penalties by Judon. I think, did he have one yesterday? But there were... I know that there was a video somewhere where they showed him tripping Allen. I don't think he really did. I think they just kind of like t- tangled up with each other. But uh, there was one where he, yeah, he got a penalty for throwing. I don't want to say it was Knox. It might have been another tight end. But he threw someone down in the flat, and it was like beyond five yards, which you can't do. You can con- you can get you know contact within each other within five yards. But he literally just threw him down, and it's like, that's a dumbass penalty, man. That's just stupid. Like, what are we doing? Stupid penalty. I, 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 I'm curious to know what it is that that's going on with him, whether it's an injury, because I don't think it's just a lack of caring. I don't think it's him saying, well, I've gotten my money and I've made my statement. Now I can kind of be comfortable and coast through the rest of the season. I think it's that he was going balls to the wall in the first three quarters of the year. And now he's just gassed. He's got nothing left in the tank because he was all they had. I mean, he was their pass rush. Yeah. You were getting a little bit. You were getting a little bit out of Van Noy here and there, and you're getting a little bit from the middle with uh, with Barmore here and there. But Judon was the one that was applying the majority of the pressure. And I'm not just talking about the sacks. I mean, like just the overall pass rush. It was him, to- totally, 100% him. And that's why looking at this linebacking core, again you've taken away his speed now if he's tired you've got slow matt judon slow juan bentley so slow dante hightower it it, it is a a team where the second level is too slow for the modern game and if they don't make the right reads they have no hope in making the the right play right they they, this is a team that benefited earlier on the season two with they were able to get after the quarterback with three, four guys, um, and it made the coverage look better. When you're not able to do that or you have a mobile quarterback who's able to avoid the pressure and make good throws on the run like Josh Allen, they're going to eat up your defense, your, your secondary. They're really going to attack that group and and show that this isn't as good of a group as, as maybe we expected them to be. How about special teams? I think that Nick Folk has continues to do a really good job this year. He's He's not missing kicks. Uh, at least kicks that are fair for him not to miss. But last year's MVP, Jake Bailey, has taken not just one step back. It seems like he's taken a million steps back, at least on what he's paid to do, which is punt. Me and you you just mentioned his his inability to... Just say what you said before we started recording. Where he, he like he's not getting the ball off. He's not. Yeah, it's, he's taking quite a while to get the uh, to get the ball off. From what I've noticed, in his I wonder what his average is. Um, I'm try to pull it up right now. But because these are like the subtleties of special teams and the NFL and, and just football in general that I don't fully understand. Why I don't understand why special teams plays don't just happen the same way every single time because it's not like there's a lot of reads that need to happen you're not there's no routes that are you do the play and it happens over and over and over and over again now again yeah i'm oversimplifying it but is what is going on with the new england special teams or jake bailey in particular and are we now going to have to be looking at another punter Kind of sucks because I mean he used to, was he pro? Was he a Pro Bowl? Is your Pro Bowler his rookie? He's year? all pro. All pro. I know he was. I know he was all pro. 
Um, Last year, I don't know if he was a pro bowler his rookie year, but he was good his rookie year. He was he was he was the original boomstick. Yo, Bajorquez. And he had, he actually shipped out. They shipped out Ryan Allen after giving him a contract extension because they had drafted him. Yeah, Just not not. Tons. Sorry, not in 2019, 2020, he was both All-Pro and selected to the Pro Bowl. So just last year. He was great last year. He was phenomenal. What happened? I don't know what, if it's the leg power or the angle of the kicks or or the blocking up front, but whatever it is, like yesterday, he had two punts. I think that both came from his own, I would say, inside the 15. I don't know. where they exactly came from, but they both ended up right around midfield and, and still got returned. So they weren't getting like incredible hang time. Um, and then he had one, one that was a, like a nice, like 63, 65 yard or something like that. Um, it's just, he's not consistent. He's not hitting with the consistency this year at all. Um, and that was one of the things you really counted on. And then from the other areas of special teams, like it was Gunner. Was Gunner a all pro because Gunner was the best punter, or was he the all pro because nobody else had a great year? The second Cause, one. Because because I don't think I know he goes in there with like reckless abandon every time, like doesn't care who who he gets oh, hit oh, by he run, when he, he gets runs hit. like he's looking to get his not his you know block knocked off. Right, and and, and there is something to be said about that, and that that's good for that's good for him to. Uh, get a few extra yards here and there, but he's never making like the one cut that he needs to get like an extra 15 yards or he's not quick it, enough. He's, right. He's just a okay punt returner. He, he's, he's okay. And uh, like nothing more. Like people want to go back to that chargers game last year. People know that the chargers were the worst special teams team in 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they were God awful last year. So when people want to go back and like, oh, well, look at, you know, how he played against the Chargers. Yeah, I don't care. He went up against the crappiest special teams uh, in the league. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, Bailey was averaging 52.67 yards per punt yesterday. Three punts for 158 total. Here's, yeah, here's there, an interesting thing. Def- we punted zero times yesterday, the Bills. First time in the Belichick era. First time that another team hasn't punted at all in the Belichick era? Yep. Bills That's didn't punt. very, very surprising considering they've played against, like, Peyton Manning yeah. yep. dozens of times. Yep. That's that's a shock. Wow. See, that's, again, whose fault is that? Is it the defense's fault? Yesterday. Yesterday it was. I mean, you, you, you could, in theory, think, like, well, if Jake Bailey's doing his job and pinning these guys inside their own twenty, sorry, continue. They've got, they've got much, <laughs> they've got much shorter feet, the much longer fields that they have to drive. So maybe when they don't convert on third down, instead of being in a position to kick a field goal, they do have to punt. It, it, it yesterday is a perfect example for the Patriots of what it means to play non-complementary football, where every single aspect of your team does something wrong and it results in points being scored against you. The crazy thing is um, I'm looking at this right now, the difference between Jake Bailey's punt average last year to this year, it's only down like 1.2 yards per punt, which it seems a lot worse. Um, There's also obviously the three blocks that would probably play into that a bit. um, How, how this whole season has looked for him, but you're right. Every he's not, uh, he's just not hitting it with the same consistency. Um, I don't know where to go from here, guys. I, I I'm dead serious. I think that they will take care of business against Jacksonville this weekend. If they don't, yeah, it's panic time. Like you should already have your finger, if not your entire hand, on the panic button. Don't necessarily need to press it just yet, but it's on it. It's and it's getting warm. It's getting it's getting warm. You lose to Jacksonville, it's panic time. And I'm not just saying like, oh, this team might not win the division. Panic time. It's no, this team's gonna miss the playoffs. Panic time because you're not going down to into Miami and, and beating that team, that red hot team. So, 
let's just say for the sake of argument, they take care of Jacksonville. You're 10 and six, and you've got a must win game down in Miami. At this point in the season, do you guys have confidence in this Patriots team being able to win a must win game? Mm. You've had two must wins in the last, if you really want, if you want to argue it, it feels like every Are they game must wins though. It kind of feels like that entire season. I don't know why, but I just, I've had that entire feeling this entire season. Yesterday, yes. Yesterday was a must win. Divisionally. Divisionally, that was a must win. Because again, you got that stranglehold on the uh, on the AFC. Now you're hoping that the Jets, that you win against, my, that, the, that Miami loses tonight, that you beat Miami, and that the Jets pull off a freaking miracle in two weeks. Which I highly doubt, highly doubt the last one is going to happen. I think the other two could. Last one, though, that's out of the question. So you're hoping for a freaking miracle. But yesterday was a must win, and they didn't cash in at home. What did FDR say? Fear your, you know, fear ourselves, something like that. Oh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah, I, I'm more afraid of ourselves going down to Miami than I am of Miami, historically. Yeah. Just, I am, and that's not e- not even just historically, just this whole season. Like, they've had a better road record. I should say I have a little bit more confidence in them going on the road. Mac's going to be in his element, warm weather. I think that arm's going to, you know, get back to what it was uh, down Alabama. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I fear ourselves. I fe- I've, you know, I feared ourselves in the beginning of the season when we were 2-4 and four because there were just times and times again. it conti- That first Miami loss just continues to be like, twisting the wound it's mm-hmm. like it's just that one freaking game not if you beat the bucks not if you beat the cowboys which again you could have won those games too could have easily won those games but just that first miami won you know damian harris fumbling and credit to him he's bounced back quite a bit but oof, i fear ourselves i just i fear ourselves more than anything not even just that miami game next week too or this week too i fear ourselves more than anything Mike, do you trust this team in a must-win game? No, not right now. I don't. I I don't think. Uh, I don't think anybody really should, especially after the way that they played against two playoff teams the last two weeks. Uh, two teams that are possibly winning their division uh, by the end of the year. It's this. If they're going to play Miami this last week, and uh, we'll we'll see what Miami does. They play tonight, and then they play next week against Tennessee. Um, to see what they what they look like at that time, but right now I trust Miami's defense more than I trust just about anything in the league right now because they have been dominant and it's again been against not great teams. But guess whose offense isn't that great? It's the New England Patriots. So, and and I'm sorry, but the argument not against great teams they they play the exact same teams except for two on the schedule, and the Patriots have shown now that seven game winning streak, maybe it's a little fraudulent. You know, how many good teams did they really beat during that streak? Because they've lost to a couple of really good ones in the last two games. Yeah. They're, this is going to be a real test for them. I, I do. I do think they, they have obviously have the, the ability to win the game, but I, I wouldn't put any money on it right now at this point. Well, good. Probably a smart idea for you. <laughs> You know who who we could hopefully put some faith in the next week are the Falcons. I think if anybody's going to help the Patriots out in their quest for the division title, it's going to be Atlanta against Buffalo in next week's game. Because, uh, Andrew, like you said, that, that Jets game in week 18, someone's going to be, and that's at home too for Buffalo. So the Jets are just going to be showing up to play a Show up for three hours and then get back on the buses and, and hey, start hey, you know, again. you never know. You can, you know, it's it's just as good to be that team that you know can ruin some day, someone's day at the end of the season. You never know. Who did the Jets beat yesterday? They won. I don't know who they beat. But... Jacksonville. The Jags. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, hey. Who may Jackson... or may not be tanking. Hey, hey. Jacksonville beat the the Bills. Mm-hmm. That's true. Scoreboard doesn't That's lie. <laughs> Scoreboard does not lie. Guys, do we have any final thoughts on the Patriot Bills game from this past week? Nikhil Harry's got to go. That's that's. We can, can we touch on that before we go? Holy shit! Oh man! I, all right, so I will admit to everybody that's listening right now, 
I watched, I was able to watch maybe like five minutes of the game. I listened to the whole thing, but I was on a bus with the world's crummiest Wi-Fi. And the buffering that was going on with my phone was ridiculous. So I basically had to just put the radio broadcast on and listen to it that way. Nothing better. So I know I, I know that Nikhil Harry had a rough day. I know that he's just he's a rough guy to begin with. But why is he on the field for 95% of the snaps? He got more snaps than Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. It's like Kendrick should have just never even came off the COVID list yesterday. Like, just forget it. Forget about it. Didn't it didn't, it, didn't uh, change the spectrum no, of the game. Yeah, made no impact. Yeah, he's just lack of effort, doesn't run, just cannot run fast enough, puts no effort into his routes, puts no effort into going up to grab the ball. You, Oh, my God. My my fridge, my refrigerator has better hands than Nikhil Harry. It's, you know, I know, like, earlier this season and last season, even a little bit uh, when we drafted him in his rookie season, the thing has always been, oh, look at Belichick. That's, you know, crappy draft. Crappy draft pick. You know, that sucks. Ha ha. Now, like, I won't even be mad at it anymore. I won't even be mad at him anymore. Just drop him. Just cut him. Now I'm begging you. Now I feel like everybody should be on that page. Like, we won't even make fun of you for it anymore. Like, please drop him. Like, get rid of him. I will I will pay for him for whatever the hell he wants to go. Seriously. It's awful. This, the, the saying is, I will drive him to the airport. I'll pick him up and drive him to the airport myself. Yeah. I, I happily would. It's ridiculous. And the fact that... Like, and you know, sorry, real quick before Mac is a rookie. He's never, he's not going to have any input into who he's throwing to right now. And it's McDaniel's job to put him in a damn good position to make some good throws. Why it was a good idea to go back to Nikhil on that. And it was a designed play. Oh, I wanted to throw my TV out the window after I saw that. Mike, any final thoughts on the bills Patriots game? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I talked mostly about what I wanted to discuss today. Um, I guess we had talked a little bit about officiating before we started recording. Um, I don't think it's the reason they lost, obviously, at all. Uh, I think they beat themselves mostly. Um, but there were two to three specific instances, the first one being Mac Jones running out of bounds to the right, getting his hand, Jerry Hughes' hands put on him, uh, I would say. I don't necessarily think it was malicious. But I, I, I do think like you shouldn't be in that position. You shouldn't be putting your hands on a quarterback when he's like two full yards out of bounds. Just why even bother? Um, like why bother? Right. <laughs> they pick up that flag. Then Trent Brown back in in like the huddle, like right at the line of scrimmage, jumping up and down, saying something. He gets flagged for that, just jumping up and down. I don't know what he was saying. I'm sure it was bad because I can't stand Trent Brown. But I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it was something that I don't, I don't want to say. Trent um, Brown has turned into a heel this year. Yes, and nobody recognizes it. <laughs> nobody yeah. knows it. Yeah. Can't yeah. stand the guy. Uh, and then the uh, late hit on the slide by Mac Jones, where he got hit, and then David Andrews got in the defender's face who hit him. Did, again, was just saying something. Didn't throw a punch, didn't shove. Got up in his face, said something. That negated the roughing uh, on the slide, the hit on the slide. So, there were just multiple decisions in that game from the referees that I thought was was pretty were, were pretty bogus, and uh, yeah. it just made watching the game more annoying than it needed to be. I mean, that's what I said before. It's I'm not even worried about like you know your my team or your team or whoever's you know whatever fan of a team you are. Like you know, calls fall your way, and you know things fall your way when you know they throw a flag and all that. It's part of the game, but I'm really worried about the product. You know, the consistency is not there, and the NFL has a huge problem. And it's not just us and fans or anybody else noticing it. Broadcasters notice it. You know, taking too much time to, you know, figure out the, you know, figure out what the call is. And, you know, we're going to discuss for five minutes, and we're just going to end up picking up the flag. And it's it's just everybody's noticing it, and it's not just fans. Like, the pro- just product-wise, it sucks to, like, watch. I'm worried about it. Like, it's, you know, it's just not consistent enough. Seriously. Like, last, last night, there was a... There was a freaking center for Dallas, like 15 yards downfield. You don't get a illegal, you know, illegal man downfield. You had Washington defenders like jumping up and down. Like, is nobody seeing this? Like, how do you miss that? 
it's just it's league wide. It's league wide, and that's absolutely not why they lost yesterday. You could argue that it that it certainly played a you know part in here and there. I think it definitely played a part more uh, on the David Andrews uh, penalty more than anything. But that's not why they lost. But product wise, it's it's really ruining it for me at least. It sucks. It sucks to sit there and watch the, like the amount of stupidity that we've seen from officiating all season. Gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalpost. But before we go, final blow. New Year's resolutions. In honor of Bill Belichick being asked after the most disgusting loss of the season, do any of us have New Year's resolutions? I will go first. Sure. No, I don't. <laughs> not, not this week. No, not right now. I got nothing to share. New year, new me. Did you, did you finally see Spider-Man? I did finally see Spider-Man. Did you see did it, you, Mike? Have you seen Spider-Man? Yeah. I, I have not, but I was spoiled by something. I'm st- still not going to say anything. Yep, not going to say anything. Did because you see a good movie. Did you see yep. it, Mike? Yep. Okay. Can I just share my one spoiler? Because I freaking, like, I feel like everybody knew this. Everybody did. Like, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but, like, yeah. I mean, like, I knew all three of them were going to be in the movie. That had to have been it's, a no-brainer. But it's the way when you watch the movie, it's the way they do it. Oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. Really special. Yeah, I saw. I didn't see. I saw like a split second of a clip of like mm-hmm. all three of them swinging, and I was like, "Ooh, I wonder who that would be." So I haven't like seen like the scene yet, but like, yeah. I mean, you're bringing back uh, Defoe, and you're bringing back oh, Sugar. Who plays Doc Ock? Um, Alfred Molina. Yeah, Molina, Jamie Foxx. You're bringing back all those guys. You're going to tell me not bring it back, Garfield and McGuire? Come on. Come on, Feige. Be better than that. I, I can't say beyond a reasonable doubt that this is my favorite Spider-Man movie. I will put it up there in the top five for sure. Uh, Spider-Man 2 and Into the Spider-Verse, I think, are probably one and two as far as best quality Spider-Man movies. This one might be top three, though. As far as quality. Now, did any of you finish Hawkeye? I nope. also finished Hawkeye. Still two episodes away God, from that. Damn. So literally like, like three on everything. So, so it's literally like the two the two yeah. episodes <laughs> that are the best of this series that everybody has been talking about are the ones that I haven't watched. But I plan on And I'm also one episode behind on Man in the Arena. Do you guys, oh I haven't watched God. any of that yet. Um, I'm waiting for the entire series to come out, and then I'm just going to do a free subscription, watch them all in one week. Um, Mike, how would you, you mean free subscription? Do you not have Disney Plus and Hulu already? I have Hulu, but it's linked to my Spotify, so I have free Hulu for my Spotify, and it's like I'm just gonna wait until I'm financially stable enough to then switch over to all that. Then I'll do that. Also, thing that I saw, uh, totally out of left field, season ten of Letterkenny is now available. Didn't even know they were making one this year. Yeah, yeah, I saw that yesterday. I'm gonna have to start watching that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get around to that one. There are seasons of that well. show. It's great. It's great. Did you well, ever watch it? No, but there, there. I, I feel like I've only heard about it for like a, a year or two. I feel. How are there ten seasons of that show already? Oh, they've been on for a like while. Six episode seasons still. They're like really yes. short. Yes, but they've been on for a while. They like started back in like 2014. I want to say. Yeah, 2014, 2015. The the math still doesn't add up. I know, but. <laughs> Um, I've been spending my time. Uh, I got Peacock, uh, and I've been watching 2008 WWE matches. And it's been awesome. That's when I stopped watching wrestling because I like grew up. Uh, so I, I've just been living my childhood. I I, I, awesome. I got I got until 2004 2005 was my era, and then once once I hit middle school and I hit real puberty, <laughs> I realized that my introduction to puberty was over. <laughs> it was, because it was a, I was a late bloomer. All right. The, well, no, 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 I'm just saying the <laughs> attitude era ended right around yeah. the time that my like pubescent period started. So there was no reason for me to continue watching. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. Last oh, question on the subject yeah. of movies and shows. Anybody watch The Matrix Resurrections? I did not. No? <laughs> you still have no. you still have the third one to watch, right? Still have the third one to watch and, right. and this one to watch. Have you watched any of them, Mike? Uh, I watched them when, like, they were first out, like, 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. That's mm-hmm. like, I, see, I haven't seen them since then. 
See, so I will make the argument that if you watched them back then, it probably would have had more of an impact than now. But because you would have been younger and not an adult, you're not going to pick up on all the themes and the messages and whatnot right. that you appreciate as a man. Like I, I've been, I remember watching them, and every time I've heard somebody talk about them because I haven't seen them since again when they when they first came out, I was like. I don't really get this movie. I don't. I don't really understand it. It's it's crazy. Like there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, but I don't really yeah. get it. So I never went back and watched it. Yeah. Good concepts, awful storytelling, but that's my uh, that's my take on that. Well done. Very well done. Well, gentlemen, then that is going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalpost, episode sixty-nine of Moving <laughs> the Goalposts. A nice. Shaquille. Mason 69. I got a stat uh, one for you. I believe it's a Mac Jones finishing the season with a 69 point something percent completion rating. <laughs> nice. Uh, I think Ryan Wendell might have been 69 when he came back that one season. I'm going to go out of town. A Jared Allen 69. Ooh. One of my high school linemen was 69. I don't think that's a, I don't think anybody else has been 69 in Boston sports. I could almost guarantee that no Celtic has ever been 69. There's got to be a, a Red Sox that was 69. A Red Sox or a Bruin that was 69. Bruin might be a little bit more difficult. I think you have to go out of your way to wear number 69 in hockey. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel a, like in hockey, that's wearing a target on your back. Oh, a Doug Glatt 69. <laughs> that name rings no bells in my head. Doug Glatt? Nope. Have you ever seen, oh, what's it called? Not Enforcer. It's like a Slapshot remake. Goon. Have you ever seen Goon? No, I've never seen Goon. I think you would like it. Sean William Scott. Uh, I, I think it was on my Netflix list for a while, but I don't think it's on there anymore. You could probably find it somewhere else, but I won't. I won't force you to watch it. It's 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 much in the same vein as Slapshot. It's not as good as it, but it's definitely uh, definitely a memorable uniform that stands out. The Doug Glatt sixty nine. I just yeah. had my Twitter open for the last twenty minutes, and it's just been replaying Josh Beckett hitting a home run off of J A Happ for the Red Sox. Like in back in 2012, and it's just just what a time that was. What a team! There was not, there has not been a Red Sox to wear number 69. That is really surprising, actually. Nick, in honor of uh, Letter Kenny's season 10, a Shorzy 69. Ah, Shorzy 69. That is a good one. That's a good one. Um, tell your mom stop calling me. A. Uh, <laughs> never mind. I don't know what the actual terminology is for it. Hey, <laughs> happy <laughs> birthday, Andre Tippett. <laughs> is it his birthday today? It is. It is his birthday. That's awesome. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 69 of Moving the Goalposts. As always, we want to make sure that you guys are following along throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm available at NickMara94. Masala, you can catch him at Mike underscore Masala. Producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan is available at Meehan A underscore 83. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace.